Welcome to the Boys of Summer, episode number 62. Hi, everybody. I'm Gene Gums. Glad to be joined by my friends Eric Braun, Paul Arnold. Paul Arnold, we're glad you could join us because from what I understand watching the news, you are the new hotspot in the country for the coronavirus <laughs> in Michigan. So we're really glad you were able to be with us. Well, I don't take a lot of pride in that comment, Gene. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. I'm still healthy. I had both my vaccine shots, but I should care about others and you know, we'll just keep on going. It's all the people rushing to Comerica Park to watch our beloved Tigers are just spreading it like crazy. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah, it's got to be well, it. Well, you know, I have to laugh, though, before we get to baseball. I have to laugh because, you know, when you talk about the super spreader events, they just had a sold-out stadium in Texas. Uh, they've got spring breakers all over Florida, and yet the most of the cases of the coronavirus are in Michigan, yeah, what New the York, heck? New Jersey. Didn't we suffer that, enough this winter already? Now we get I, this? Yeah, I, Go figure. Go figure. All right. Lots of stuff going on. And, you know, I don't want to get political with this show, but we have to talk about the decision made by Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game in light of the uh, the change in the voting laws in the state of Georgia. So let's start out. Number one, uh, do you agree with what Major League Baseball has done? I'll take a first stab at it. Um, first of all, I understand why they did it, but I wish they had chosen another way about it because this really affects a lot of the kids and a lot of the little guys who make money, you know, selling hot dogs and everything else. And George was looking forward to it. I wish there was a way they could have protested at the game or some other way. Saying all that, when I looked into it, I wanted to say, is this really making something out of nothing or is this real? And as I looked at it, it sure looked like there was enough smoke there to be fire um, because they changed enough rules. It just really comes off as a sour moment in American history where, okay, you lose an election, so you do anything you can after to try to change it. That being said, I wish that they would have done something different. Um, I think Delta and Coca-Cola did put pressure on MLB, but the union, I think, put the most pressure. How are they going to handle players not showing up to the All-Star game? So I just wish there was a way they could have stopped before the game and protested and made a point there in Georgia rather than saying, okay, it's my baseball, you can't play the game. I mean, it sort of feels like that. Um, so... I say all that just for full honesty. I'm a white male in, in his 50s. I don't totally get everything that's going on, and I'm wanting to learn. So that's my point. You know, Pastor Eric. <laughs> um, I, I have no problem with it. Um, you know, I wish it wasn't this way, but, but it is that way. Um, these laws are um, terrible. And uh, it's, yeah, and I, I can't add a whole lot to what to what Paul said, but, you know, um, and sure, I feel bad for the people who um, are going to be negatively affected by this. But, you know, there's going to be people who are positively affected uh, in the new site. So, you know, it comes out in the wash. And if you don't want this kind of stuff to happen in your state, you know, don't, uh, uh, you know, don't let your elected officials pass uh, laws that are targeted at, um, you know, uh, people at, at the people who uh, are often targeted in these uh, these kind of laws, right? Um, you know, Georgia has a long history of suppressing the vote of African Americans. Uh, it's not a surprise that uh, there is a lack of places to vote in uh, parts of the state where um, uh, where there's a lot of minorities living. 
And so when you have a sport that has a lot of minorities in it who are going to take offense to that, uh, you know, I fully support them uh, saying, no, I'm not going to, you know, honor your state with uh, my presence. You know, I have to admit, my my first reaction was I, I wasn't in favor of doing it. It's not that I'm a fan of the state of Georgia or what the or laws that were passed. My concern was the little guy and not, and I wasn't even thinking about the vendors in the stands. I'm thinking about all the ancillary businesses around the ballpark, you know, the restaurants and et cetera, et cetera, that, that are going to lose out on this opportunity and they're being punished for something that is really out of their control, you know, by and large. Uh, so that was rough. But the thing I hadn't thought of, and Paul, you bring up a great point. I hadn't thought of the possibility that you would have players refuse to go to the All-Star game. I never actually even gave that a thought. Was that something that was expressed? Because I never saw that. Yeah, it was on uh, either CBS News Network or on Fox that there was people telling Manfred that they were not going to go to the game uh, if this was going to stand up. Um, so once again, you have players exerting their um, power in a way. You know, we see it with NBA, and we see it in NFL to some degree, and now we're seeing it in baseball more and more. I agree with Eric. I used to live in Georgia. I lived there for five years, and um, there is an underlying sense of you know white privilege, and there are little ways that the minorities don't have full chance at things, and. If our country stands for anything, it's that everybody gets a vote, right? Everybody should have equal opportunity to vote. And when you start messing with that, then I think you're just begging it to go to the Supreme Court. But there's not time for that to happen. And so MLB did what they had to. Uh, I don't hear any of the MLB owners coming out and saying, oh, this was horrible. We shouldn't have done this. So are you surprised, Gene, none of the owners have complained? No, not a surprise at all because most of them are cowards. Uh, you know, and most of them are loaded and most of them are in the, (laughs) most of them are in the pockets of a lot of politicians. So they have to be very, very careful, especially in major league baseball. When there's been talk of, you know, Congress getting involved with antitrust and things like that, they've got to walk a very fine line with this stuff. So no, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, you know, I, I, I do have to say though, I don't know if you saw this Mitch McConnell, the, the weasel from Kentucky, um, (laughs) Sorry, How do you feel, did, Gene? How do you really yeah, did feel? That come, did that really not, come out that way? I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Um, the, the distinguished gentleman from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> you said we weren't going too deep in politics, but I mean, here yeah, we go, folks. Going pretty good. Deep dive coming up. All right. Uh, <laughs> he said to all these corporations, get out of politics. Stay out of politics, right? But we'll you take know, your money. Right. And that, my next point was, well, if that's the case, how about if you stop soliciting all these corporations for donations every time you're running for office? Isn't I mean, they're already involved. So, I mean, it was one of the dumbest th- expressions I've ever heard. All right. Moving on. Now, if they now Atlanta <laughs> loses it. I'm sorry. I just didn't want to. I, I felt another rant coming on. Um, <laughs> so they take it out of Atlanta. They're moving it. They decide to Coors Field in Colorado. Now, on the face of it, I kind of like it. Coors Field hasn't had an all-star game since, what, 1998, I believe. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, yeah, it was like the the third or fourth year that, that Colorado had a team before they had the all-star game. And they haven't had it since. I remember it was you, early. Yeah. yeah, you've got the thin air. And you have the added possible drama of Nolan Arenado, who's now with the Cardinals, coming back to Coors Field for the all-star game. So, you, so on the face of it, I like it. What about you guys? 
All right. Well, yeah, I think it reminds me of the song, Rocky Mountain High. And <laughs> there'll be a lot of happy people there. And the balls will be flying. I mean, the baseballs and, well, will be and, flying. And marijuana is legal in Colorado. Yep, and legal in Michigan. So they might too. be high. <laughs> so I like it a lot because the entertainment factor, we need it. Bring on the home run derby. Bring on the uh, exciting game as much as we can get this time of year. So, Eric, I cut you off. What do you say? Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to be great. You know, the the thing about, uh, you know, moving it is, you know, although it's been a little bit less, the the complaining from uh, from certain quarters has been a l- somewhat less than what I expected. There's been plenty for sh- to be sure. But uh, but, I, you know, you're going to get another round of it right <clears throat> right before that, too. So I hope that doesn't spoil it. But I think it's it should be fun. I love the all star game. I do wish I do wish that uh, it still counted for something. So um, do I. But uh, but to me, uh, it's uh, you know it's just it's a special game and it's fun and it's everything that makes baseball great. And if you're gonna have balls sailing out of the park all night long for home run derby, home run derby half the time I don't watch the game, but I watch home run derby every year. And I never I never watch that because I, really because I think the home run derby is everything wrong with baseball. Because it's all about launch angle, you know, and so I think it's everything that's wrong with baseball right now. But I will say, I probably will watch this year's yeah. just, just to see how far Aaron Judge can hit one in it's Colorado. Gonna be, it's it might, be so much fun. He might actually. There might be another satellite before that thing is over. Um, you know, I'm going to go off script for a second here, guys, uh, and and we can blame Paul for this. Paul, you just made you just made a, a comment. We need more excitement in baseball right now. And I want to go out. I want to go on record. And, and if you remember what we talked about the changes to the rules. Yes. And, yes, yes. and I was dead set against this, t- this stupid rule. You're such rule a stuck, th- stick in the mud uh, there, Gene. Yeah, well, but you know where I went out and, and I said, I hate this rule where you start a runner on second base in extra innings. I've decided that I like it. Oh, I really? What? Yeah. Miracles still you know, happen. Woo-hoo. Well, now. I guess I have to temper this with the fact that the Red Sox won a game last night <laughs> in extra innings. Well, hang on. Now, hang on. But let me, let me, let me get, go here, all right? They tie it up with a home run in the ninth inning, all right? So we go to the 10th. Neither team can score, even with a runner on second base. 10th inning, Tampa scores a run in the top. of. The, I mean, 11th, Tampa scores one in the top. Red Sox tie it up in the bottom. Tampa scores one in the top of the 12th. The Red Sox scored two in the bottom of the 12th and won the damn thing. Now, <laughs> it was fun. Because all you had drama in every at-bat in extra innings. Think about this. I mean, how many times has a game gone into the 10th inning and you're going, oh, my God, how long is this going to go before it's over? <laughs> you, these guys, the, the managers actually had to manage. Um, I think I've come around on this. I think I'm okay with it. Wow. Uh, See, I, have, I have yet to experience it in, a, in a, an actual game, so uh, I'm going to have to – withhold vote but you make a good point about the adding some some drama in every inning that's a that's that that's actually because there are times where uh, pitchers are just you know it's just one of those nights where the pitchers are mowing everybody down right yeah i just i just i'll give it a i'll give it a chance give it a chance i mean i'm telling you i was i i hated it you know i'm what a traditionalist i am but i've actually i've come around and 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 the funny part is the other thing i did like in the beginning the three pitch uh the three batter rule I hate now. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> because as I have seen these things evolve, I, I understand why people were against the three batter rule. I get it. Um, because if a guy, and again, perfect example, the other night in the Red Sox game, they bring in a guy, he walks the first two guys. Well, you can't take them out, you know, and in a normal game, you might. Um, so I think I, I, I get it. I mean, you know, and I, I, I maybe I'm getting senile. You, you know, know the, the thing is, is, Gene, is that you're not a guy who is a victim of an opening day game that was the longest <laughs> MLB nine inning game. Uh, in history, Which it was a, it was a, the Royals. It, on the Royals and Rangers on opening day went four hours and fifty minutes. I think it was. Uh, oh, oh yeah, that innings. was yeah, yeah. <laughs> nine innings. Yeah, it was well, that, yeah. brutal. Well, and that's what the Red Sox game last night went twelve. It was four hours and twenty five minutes. It, <laughs> it was still long, but it went twelve. Right. Well, I mean, fine. If a game goes X twelve innings, it should be a little bit long. Four nine hours. inning game. The nine inning game should never go that long. You must have had to shave before the game was over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably. Uh, all right. So I just wanted to bring that up. That I've I've come around, and I, I you know I don't I, I I'm sorry, but I just I've changed my mind about the uh, the the runner on second base. I think it I think it actually could be a good thing for the game. I'm glad you've had well, this breakthrough, Gene. It's healthy, man. You guys, yeah, we, you, you guys are like my therapist. Yeah. We, we appreciate your honesty. We'll send you the bill later. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> got to pay for that shiny new microphone you got. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, start of the season, kind of a strange one. We had the COVID-19 rearing its ugly head as it has done in every sport this year. And if you were a Washington Nationals fan, you had to wait four days before your team finally plays and then before the game even starts you find out you're without two of your starting pitchers Lester and Corbin uh, Brad Hand your closer and then you got like Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber Jan Gomes your starting catcher they're all out because of the COVID and yet you still got to go play the Atlanta Braves uh, my question to you is I know the vaccines are out but man we've seen it in hockey where the Canucks have had to lose like 10 days we're still seeing it in sports. I mean, is this something? Do you think we're going to have to deal with this all summer? Um, I think we are. You mentioned earlier in the podcast that Michigan is the highest level. And if you think back to the very beginning of this, Michigan and the state of New York were the two states that had it very early and has been. And both states have been very aggressive about all the precautions. While, like we've made a good point, like Texas right now says, hey, we're all good. We're good to go. My sinking feeling with this is Michigan's going through the fourth wave and some of these other states haven't got there yet because Michigan has had more of the variants of, of the virus here. And it, I think it's unfortunately another wave is coming to other parts of the country. Now, the magic bullet is the vaccine. And our governor has not re- gone back to previous precautions because they're full press, over 100,000, 200,000 people a day are getting the vaccine in Michigan. And they're saying once we get enough vaccines and people get that, then the spread stops. And the other thing is most of the cases in the hospitals here are 30 to 50-year-olds. It used to be 50 and on, on up. So right. the variant is hitting people in a different way now. Um, so I hate to be a bearer of bad news. I think we're going to have another wave, and I do think it's going to hit baseball. I do think they'll get in a full season, but I think teams may have to revert back to winning percentages instead of total record at the end of the year. 
Interesting. Wow. Um, you that know, silenced them, folks. Wow. Yeah. They're just like dead well, air after I that I, one. I, I, I'm a beer of good news, huh? Yeah, you just, I think you depressed us all. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I was feeling pretty good before this. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I actually think that, um, yeah, and maybe I, I'm always sort of the eternal optimist. I'm, I'm really going to be watching what happens in Dallas, right? A week um, from now. A week from now. Yeah. <laughs> so to see, you know, if, because if if there is no big uh, super spreader event up there, um, you know I think that's going to bode well for um, for the summer for baseball. Uh, you know, you look at um, you know compared to a lot of these other leagues and what we've seen over the past year. You know, really, it's kind of surprising that that happened to Washington. I mean, there because um, it I don't know of any other team that's had any uh anybody shut down for uh for covid it's been like one or two people but not 11 right. it's, so it's it's really weird it just it's, it's like to me it's just like this one little nest of of infections and hopefully that holds um i think paul could be right i think there there could be a, a fourth wave coming i'm you know obviously i'm hopeful uh that there's not but yeah i mean Mostly, you know, it, like I said, I'm going to be watching Dallas, and and if you're going to have to have, uh, you know, a, a massive uh, public experiment to see, you know, who, uh, you know, who might be the victims of of you know a terrible transmissible disease, here in Texas, we would always volunteer Dallas. <laughs> Wow, there goes all our three visit listeners in Dallas. So. <laughs> and my sister. Uh, oh, so sorry, awesome. sorry, Steph. <laughs> well, well, you know, well, and in light of that, you still have now you have state governors allowing teams to slowly increase the amount of fans they have at games. You know, it started out where it was like, you know, 10, 15%. Now a lot of stadiums, I think Atlanta is one of them where they're going up to 50%. Um, you know, and so uh, are the governors being a little bit premature with this? Should they be waiting longer? Who knows? That's the most tr- terrible thing on all this. We just don't know. We're guessing as we go, doing the best we can. And you can just see the anger building up. So for me, I think we should keep on going. I want to go to a, a baseball game so bad. And I do think that when I, since I've gotten both my vaccine shots, I've gotten a little careless and a little bit like, I'm good now. There's no way it's going to get yeah. me. Um, yeah. And even Fauci said that's probably true. Um, so do you guys still think that Fauci's right and we're going to be able to have baseball the whole season and have Thanksgiving like usual? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I, I do. And I think you know, I think what we've come to recognize is that the COVID's never going completely away. But I think what it's going to be is it's going to be like the flu. We're going to have flu and COVID season. I think that's what we're we're looking at. It may never go completely away, although the more people get vaccinated for it, then it just becomes like a flu. It doesn't become something that can kill you. You know, I get my second shot tomorrow. Um, and, and I'm like you, Paul, I was just thinking about this, man. I'd love to, you know, get that second shot. And then a week after I've had my second shot, rip the mask off and just walk around and say, <laughs> here I am, boys. But yeah. That might get me shot. I don't know if I'm the world's sure. ready for that, Gene. So. <laughs> yeah, I got so. my second shot Sunday, and I signed up for my first uh, real race, real like 
go out and run a 10K with my friends uh, for a week from Sunday. So <laughs> I've definitely, uh, you know, I'm ready to go. Speaking of races, and again, we're going we're gonna to skip something I hadn't even talked about, but uh, have you seen the new uniforms that are going on in Major League Baseball? There's like seven cities that are going to have, they're, gonna, they're called City Pride uniforms. Yeah, I saw the Red Sox so when I was going to bring Sox, it up, man. Yeah, no red. The, the Red Sox uniforms look like they're the UCLA Bruins. Oh. They're ye- yellow Ugh. with powder blue. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, and then a, a powder blue hat. No red anywhere. The socks are are mostly blue with uh, yellow stripes on them, and they've got the the Boston skyline on it. And they have six one seven, which is the Boston area code, like on a patch on the sleeve. And I, you know, they're kind of cool looking. And and I didn't understand. And the reason I brought it up, Eric, is you mentioned race. Well, the That's reason right. that they're blue and yellow is because that is the color yeah. of the finish line for the Boston Marathon. Now. We all know the Boston Marathon was always very big, but the Boston Marathon has kind of become even more important in that city's history since the bombing, since David's David Ortiz's famous speech at Fenway <laughs> yes. Park. Uh, you know, so you know, even people that hated them once they realized what it was all about, suddenly said, "Oh, I get it," and okay, they're not that bad. But I, I think they're kind of cool looking. Yeah, I like it. I, you know. Uh, <laughs> As any long distance runner, you know, there's a, you know, everybody has a huge goal to get to Boston, right? Um, you didn't and, say that right, yeah. Eric. Eric, say it the right way now. Boston. 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 Wait a second. I should say uh, Gene. How's the right way to say it, Gene? Boston. 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 Hey, have you ever raced the, the Boston Marathon? Oh, heck no. I, I'm, my fastest marathon time is 348. And what do you have to, do you have to get to qualify? I have to get to 325 to qualify. That's a, that's a big jump. That's a, that's a and big jump. Yeah, and you're old. <laughs> well, and, and I lose like five minutes. It gets, <laughs> so like in uh, when I turn 55 in a couple of years, it'll be down to 320. So, or, I mean, it'll be, up, it'll be up to 330, I mean. And, oh, okay, all right. Uh, so, so that might be, you know, if I spend a whole year training. But right, anyway. You might do, yeah. But, okay. yeah, but uh, that's, about, that's unlikely to happen. <laughs> All right. Well, so but anyway, I thought they were they were kind of cool, and I like what Major League Baseball is doing. I think that they're trying to appeal to younger fans, and I think it's something that they have to do. And you know what? You know they've kind of gone letting guys wearing their own cleats now and designing their own cleats. They're letting the young kids kind of show off some style, and I think that's what this game needs to bring the younger kids in. Wow, yeah, I appreciate no that, Gene. You're giving up your traditional sense to, for the health of the game. I appreciate that. Uh, that's I, I am all about the game. You know what I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, let's go to, uh, speaking of super spreader events, we had one in Cincinnati uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cincinnati Reds get it together <laughs> for a little dust-up on the field. And at the end of it, Nick Castellanos ends up getting suspended for two games despite the fact he never threw a punch. Can somebody explain that to me? Well, I mean, if, to to play devil's advocate, I mean, he was the person who sort of started the whole dust up. But as far as like dust ups go, it was really Pain. pretty minor. I mean, there was there was not. I mean, there was barely even any shoving. Right. So it just it, two two game suspension seems uh, uh, kind of silly. Uh, I I was actually more worried that Yadi. Uh, Yadier Molina was going to get suspended because when he went 
rushing up to defend uh, his pitcher who got flexed on, which was kind of hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Yachty kind of bumped the umpire from the behind. Umpire. Yeah. And so then I was like, Ooh, uh, that, you know, you never want to see a you know Yachty get suspended, um, but uh, yeah. So, um, but I would also like to point out former Royal uh, Mike Mustakas was the, the great peacemaker in that whole <laughs> fiasco. The Moose was the peacemaker, and and, he was. and well, and how about those Cincinnati Reds? Um, after today's game, we're taping this on uh, April the seventh. They are five and one. They are tearing it up. Their run differential. I was actually just looking at that. They are. Uh, they have a thirty plus thirty one run differential. That is insane for this they, early in the season. They have scored fifty seven runs in six games. That, that is, is crazy. A fran- that is a franchise record for the first six games of the season. I mean, they are putting up runs. I mean, Tyler Naquin, for goodness' sake. Two home runs and seven runs batted in. I don't know what what is in the water in Cincinnati, but whatever it is, the Oakland Athletics would like to find it because they, <laughs> they started out zero and six. I mean, talk. Look, everybody know, thought Houston. Well, actually, I picked the Angels, but you guys both thought Houston would win the division. Um, and Houston started out like a house of fire, just destroying Oakland. But man, can you recover from zero and six? Uh, sure, um, but no. it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very <laughs> tough. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and speaking of Houston, I mean, they're plus twenty-seven on the run differential and scored yeah. forty-five, so they're tearing it up too. Thanks but to Oakland. Oakland. Yeah, yeah, and Oakland is negative thirty-six. Wow. They've scored seventeen. Yes. So yes, yeah. they're they're off to a tough start. Yeah, yeah, no question. Well, speaking of decent starts. Paul, you must be happy. Your Detroit Tigers have started out respectably. A three and three start for a very young team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the folks in Michigan must be pretty happy with that, aren't they? Well, bad dude is a bad dude, if I can say that. that oh, boy. oh, that was a bad one. Uh, but for a guy who's never played major league to hit a grand slam, then a home run, and a walk off single, and then he hit a triple today, but they didn't win. Um, but. We all know the first time pitchers see a guy, they have no book on him, right? Or very little. And the second go-round, they'll probably destroy him. But it's a nice distraction right now in Detroit. And you were talking about the brawls earlier, um, jumping back to that. It made me wonder, like every time you see a brawl or almost a brawl, all the guys come out of the dugout. Like nobody wants to be left in the dugout. They all come out from the bullpen and everything. And I wonder on the macho scale, how does – (laughs) <laughs> baseball compare on the macho scale to like football and basketball. I mean, because you know, it's like the it's sort of a macho thing, right? For baseball players not to be in the dugout and push around, but they really don't do a lot. Well, I'm going to say this: I have seen a lot of uh, basketball fights. I have seen a lot of football fights. The guys that are fighting in football probably have the intelligence of pocket lint. <laughs> you are throwing punches at guys that are wearing helmets uh, and tons of padding. So I don't think there's a lot of Albert Einstein's there in basketball. It's some of the basketball fights are some of the, with the exception of when Kermit Washington uh, got it. Remember Ooh, that one? Yeah. From, oh yeah. Yeah. Rudy, Rudy, Tom yeah. With Rudy Tomjanovich, with the exception of that one, most uh, basketball fights are just like it's like it's like sissies slapping each other. Ooh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm bringing it. Wow. Dang! 
Wow. Baseball fights to me. Baseball fights to me. I, ho- hockey, of course, wins as the gold medal. Of course. Oh, hockey, yeah. hockey has the gold medal. I think baseball is the silver medalist when it comes to fighting in professional sports. Mm. Because I know what you're saying, Paul, but every now and then one of these things happen and there are some real punches thrown and some real punches connected with. I mean, a lot of times it's just guys milling around and trying to look tough, but every now and then there's some good ones. So I, I think, I think, uh, I think baseball is the silver medalist here. Wow. That's yeah. I mean, there there are a couple of fights that I, uh, you know, remember pretty well from baseball. I mean, uh, well really, yeah, I, I, obviously the, the gold standard is, Nolan. Is no one right? Right. Yeah. That was right. Great. Um, Anytime we can bring the, that like, up, it's a good day. It's a good thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, the other one, and this is ripped from the headlines recently because Odor got uh, traded to uh, uh, your hated Yankees. Yeah. But uh, Odor, when he punched uh, a Joy Bautista in the oh, face, yes, that was that. That was. I mean, that, uh, obviously, Bautista was one of the most hated players, and and remains that to this day. Yeah. But uh, but that was uh, I that spotted sprouted so many great memes, um, just on its own. Just just that was a good punch. Um, you know, getting back to the kid uh, uh, Badu, you know the great thing about him, Paul. Not only I mean, is he a rookie? This kid never played above a ball, right? He was That's a rule, incredible, really. He was a Rule Five pick from the Minnesota Twins, and he beat the Twins the other night. I mean, <laughs> is, he was he was left off the forty man roster, and that's how the Tigers got him. And they have to keep him on the roster as a Rule Five guy, or they have to offer him back to Minnesota. So the fact that he was a two forty nine career hitter in like uh, three years of single A ball, and the fact that he's doing what he's doing is one of the reasons why I love baseball. And according to my research, he had Tommy John surgery, which you don't hear too often for an outfield. Really? Yeah, I did not know that. Um, and that so, boy, they really dig deep and will enjoy it while it lasts. Well, and it's the same thing if you're a Chicago White Sox fan. And look, everybody was really excited about the White Sox, right? And then they get the uh, the injury to Jimenez, and everybody's like, oh, oh no, now what? And then out of the blue, it's like uh, out of the clouds comes Jermon Mercedes, who nobody could pick out of a lineup. A 28-year-old kid that's never played in the major leagues and starts his season eight for eight. I mean, does it get any better than that? And so, you know, a couple of great stories to start the season. But what, Paul, you had you had the great suggestion last night. So we have these two guys that we're talking about. And maybe they have great seasons. Maybe they flame out after a month. But what I want to know is what guys you remember that were one-hit wonders. And I don't mean literally one hit. I mean guys that had one great season and then you either never heard from them again or they just never came even close to being what they were in that one season. Yeah, I texted Gene about this because I am a huge Tigers fan, and it seems like I could name four right in a row. that We we have really good Aprils, and then these guys disappear, and we always beg the GM to trade them sometime after the first, quickly trade them. So the ultimate example for a Tigers fan goes way back to 1976, Mike excuse me, Mark Fidrich from Massachusetts. He came in, they called him the bird because he reminded people of Big Bird because he was so uh, weird around the mound. You probably remember his curly blonde hair and he threw really weird delivery and that weird delivery wiped him out. He talked to the baseball. He actually did talk to the baseball like, come on, 
Um, but he's not the first baseball player to talk to a baseball or a bat. Come on, guys. And then, uh, but he had a 2.34 ERA. Um, he was rookie of the year. Um, but after that first year, he only made 27 more starts and he was out of baseball four years later. But there's three other honorable mentions and see if you guys know what position these guys play. All right. First one is Brendan Bosch. I know that name. (laughs) I don't remember where he played though. Was he a first baseman? No, he was not. He was an outfielder. He was hot for one year, and the next year he went down, and they didn't trade him, and eventually played for New York, and they paid him a bunch of money and bombed there, and then went to Oakland, and he retired by age of 30. The next wow. guy is Quentin Berry, a really slender, he was an outfielder. quick guy, right? And he had a great yep. season and then all disappeared. And the, our personal favorite, my son and I, is Chris Shelton. An out-of-shape white dude playing first base, was leading <laughs> the majors in home runs, uh, Chris no, Davis. No, Chris Shelton. No, I know, but he's like Chris Davis from Baltimore. He yeah. had like a great season and then stunk from, from then oh, on, yes. he We couldn't believe he was leading. He just didn't look like a player. He didn't act like – and it just it all disappeared as player pitchers found out what to do. So those are mine, and uh, I'll pass it off to you guys. And I actually have a backup if you guys can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, for you know, if we're talking about the Royals, the there's uh, really only one choice for a uh, <laughs> for a, a, a one and done, and that's a uh, Bob the Hammer Hamlin, the Rookie of the Year. Um, I think it was '93 yes. Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and uh, and then you know just faded. He ended up having a late career uh, resurgence. I think it was with Oakland. Had like one year, he hit like 270 and then retired the next year. But uh, but he never ever regained his hammering uh, uh, style. Uh, he and uh, you know, was was mostly never heard from again. He hit 282, he hit 24 home runs, and retired after five more years. So, yeah, it was a short. Uh, you know, the guy that that jumped out at me when I was thinking about Red Sox guys that, that it would be probably Sam Horn. Um, and, you know, and he's still kind of a, uh, a running joke a little bit in Boston, but you know, when you look at Sam Horn, he never really had a great season. I mean, he, in 1991, he hit 23 home runs and only 317 at bats, but he hit 233, you know? <laughs> uh, so, so he never really did a whole lot. I mean, another guy, I guess would be kind of like Phil Plantier. Uh, another guy who had like one great season, never did anything again, but the guy I was thinking of, and he kicked around in the majors for a little while. Um, Daniel Nava, you remember him? Mm-mm. He played for the Red Sox and in 2000, he came up in 2010, hit a grand slam home run in his first at bat in the major leagues. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, talk about, uh, talk about setting the bar kind of high. And then he had one great year for the Red Sox in 2013. He hit three Oh three. Had 12 homers, 66 runs bad in, and he played 135 games that year. After that, he never hit better than like uh, 250 the rest of his, his career. I mean, you know, he kicked around a little bit. He played with uh, uh, Tampa for a year, the Angels for a year. He actually played for the Royals uh, for nine games back in 2016, went one, <laughs> went one for 11. Uh, so, uh, you know, they don't, they don't remember him much in Kansas City. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, so those are the guys I, I think of the most. You know, one guy that came to my mind, do you remember – this name. How about Joe Charbonneau? Oh, yeah. Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians first baseman. His rookie season, he hit 23 homers and 80, had 87 runs batted in, hit 289. 
He was out of baseball two years later. He hit wow. 210 the following year, 214 the year after that, and never played again. Oof. Yeah, I mean, so that that to me is kind of like the ultimate one-hit wonder. You have one great year in 130 games, and then you play 70 games in the next two years, and you can't you can't uh, you know hit your way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> so. That's sort of the beauty and the anguish of baseball. It's so close from being either great or horrible. The other runner-up I had for Kansas City was a guy that I thought was better than he really was. <laughs> you ever have players like that? Oh, he was really oh, a great yeah. player. This guy, Al Cowens, in 1977. Outfielder, yeah. Yeah, he hit 23 home runs. I I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. That's what I thought, too. 23 home runs, 98 runs, 112 RBIs. Um, He did play 13 seasons, but none of them were that close. So I guess he really doesn't qualify if he played 13 seasons. But he never made an all-star game. He never won another Golden Glove. He never even got close to it. He just sort of hung around. Well, you know, you know what I was just thinking to me, Mark Fedrich, you know, you brought him up first. You know, the thing about Fedrich too, he didn't even live a long life. No, he passed. He died. Yeah. He was only 54 years old when he died. Um, he, he was born in Worcester, Massachusetts, and he died just outside of Worcester in uh, 2009 at the age of 54. But what a nice guy, though. Everything about him in and out of baseball was that was there was some great stories about he ended up being like a farmer. And, uh, you know, after his baseball career and just was enjoying life kind of on his little farm and uh, uh, just seemed like uh, enjoyed the time he had in Major League Baseball, but wasn't bitter about the way it ended at all. No, not at all. So, uh, all right. Now let's uh, get the, the next thing. We got to talk about bitter. I want to talk about New York Mets fans. Um, <laughs> the, the other night, the Mets are, are playing uh, their first game of the season. Jacob DeGrom is on the mound. He has breezed through the first six inning. He has given up three hits. He has struck out like everybody. Hasn't walked a batter. They take him out at the end of the sixth inning. He's thrown 77 pitches. The bullpen proceeds to implode over the next three innings. Mets lose the game. And Mets fans are ready to storm City Field with pitchforks. Um, I know it's early in the season. And I know a lot of times teams tend to be cautious with their pitchers early in the season. But are we too wrapped up with pitch counts? I, I mean, I, I don't understand why you would ever take a pitcher out who's having a good game at 77 pitches. I mean, there's, if you have a hard line you know, early in the season, I, to me, <clears throat> if he's cruising along and the effort doesn't seem that bad, I mean, I, I guess if you look to the next inning – and you don't want him to go over 80, then I guess maybe. Well, I, I just, it's, the, it's crazy. Here's the thing. Before the game, they asked the manager of the Mets, Luis Rojas, if, if they had a pitch count in mind for DeGrom. He said, yeah, around 100. Yeah. Right. So, he, so, so suddenly he's out after six innings and 77 right. pitches. Right. For me, I, I, mean, I would think 90 would be sort of the top end if somebody's having a good game and, and pitching well. Right, that should be ninety early in the season or for early in the season. Early okay. in the season, yeah, okay. early in the season. If you're if if you're concerned about that, right, it would seem like even ninety would be the the where you would probably land, right? So, I yeah, I, if I was a Mets fan, I would be going crazy too. I I, I don't blame this uh, this uh, for for that making them crazy. It would also make me crazy. Mm. 
Well, I've actually been surprised. They've, they've been letting pitchers go deeper than I kind of expected in a lot of, at least uh, mostly I've watched Royals and Cardinals games this mm-hmm. year because my wife, the Cardinals fan, um, and they've actually been letting pitchers go pretty deep this year. I, I'm, they all should have pretty rested arms, really, right? So, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised they would pull in that early, especially with uh, bullpen woes. I seem to remember managers once in a while saying, our bullpen needs some work. And I'm thinking, wait a second. If you've got a great pitcher, let them pitch. You're there to win the game. You're not there to make sure your bullpen gets some work. And I do think early in the season that the starters tend to be more tuned in than the bullpen. It just takes time for the bullpen to know the roles and to understand that and to get ready. I think that takes longer. So I don't understand this reasoning at all unless there's some tip-off that the pitching coach saw in his delivery or the catcher. And you know this happens once in a while where a catcher will sign over to the bullpen and say, but this is way too early for that to happen. Well, you know, the thing was, too, is after the game, uh, Rojas said that, uh, you know, with just conversations we had with him between innings led us to believe we should take him out. At the end of the game, they were the reporters asked DeGrom, and DeGrom said, well, you know, it was their decision. It's a long season. Mm. And he just kind of let it go. And, mm. and here's the thing with DeGrom. He has, remember the year he won the Cy Young, and I think he had a 10-9 and nine record? Because this was like, what, three years ago? He won it with a 10-9 and nine record because right. the bullpen was blowing damn near every game that he left yeah. with, uh, you know, with a lead. And so here we go again. You know, if I'm, if I'm Jacob DeGrom, I'll tell you what, my contract's up and they want to sign me to an extension. I think I would have to really think twice. Uh, based on on no, the history have to that I've had twice. with them. No, you would have to think twice. He'd be gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, you're right. I would be. You're right. Uh, it just seems strange to me. And I know pitch, you know, we get wrapped up in pitch counts. And I, and I think pitch counts, I, I think we shouldn't be looking at pitch counts. We should be looking at how does the guy, how is he throwing the ball? Right. You know, that's to me. But that's, you know, again, you say, well, okay, Grandpa, get off my lawn. But, you know, that's kind of, that's just kind of the way I look at it. Well, don't you think a good manager covers for his players? Like, the, I think the manager says, you know what, it was my decision to pull him out. He was thinking, you know, I take all the blame for it. Don't let the player dangle out there and have to give an excuse. The manager well, got to take it. Well, I get it, but but kind of what Degrom said, it didn't sound like Degrom was necessarily agreeing uh, with yeah. what his manager said. That's that's to me is the concern. And look, maybe if they, he he goes out and pitches in the seventh inning, maybe the bullpen still blows it in the eighth and ninth. But to me, you know, your best chance to win is when you've got the best pitcher in baseball. And of course, Yankee fans would argue that. But you've got one of the two or three best pitchers in baseball. I'm letting him go until he tells me he's had enough. Would you rather go see Jake Degrom in person or Mike Trout? Mm. 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 You know, I think Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, I think I'm going to go DeGrom. Because, because you're going to see Mike Trout bat three or four times in a game. You're going to see DeGrom throw 100 pitches. You know, I, and, and, he's, and he can impact the game more than Mike Trout can. Mike Trout's a great player. He may be the best player in baseball. But I think the impact on one single game, starting pitcher has more impact than any position player more often than not. Mm-hmm, definitely. Right. You might just happen to show up on a night where Trout – you know, it goes over four. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> it strikes out three times because it happens. Yeah, sure. So where's right, the so best be- place to watch a pitcher pitch in a in a baseball field? I would say maybe center field is a good place, or uh, right behind home plate, or right by home plate, huh? 
Yeah, yeah, which is yeah, of course those, that's the problem. Those, those seats are expensive. You can't you can't afford to sit there. <laughs> so center field it is. Yeah, you know, but but behind the plate because you can see the ball, you can see the movement on the ball. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's fantastic. And of course, of course, that does add a different element of math to it, right? So then, would you rather sit in center field and watch Degrom or wait for Mike Trout to park a ball in your lap? So I don't know. You got a better chance of watching Degrom pitch well than Trout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, even even if they send one out your way, you got about a thousand people sitting around you that are ready. To well, well, to with, with social it. distancing, social well, distancing. Oh, that, that's true. There is social, yeah, you might have a better chance to catch well, That's true. All right, look. Before we get out of here, uh, one last thing, and I didn't talk about this either. But on this date in 1989, perhaps. Well, no question. One of the top five baseball movies of all time was released on this date in 1989. Do you know what it was? Field of Dreams. Nope. What? Major League. Oh, Major League. And I know, it's a, I know it's a comedy, but it is one of my favorite. My favorite baseball movie of all time is Field of Dreams. Um, but Major League is probably either number two or number three for me. Uh, and it was released. And every time I was thinking about this the other day, I was watching the Red Sox game and they had lost the first three games to the Orioles. There was a meme on Twitter of uh, Pedro Serrano uh, talking to Joe Boo in the uh, locker room and like uh, uh, praying over the bats to get things <laughs> yeah. going. And the Red Sox go out and score 11 against Tampa the next night. So <laughs> a little bit you know, outside. But, but you know, yeah, it, it, the, the, my favorite part of that movie is Bob Uecker. Yeah. Hands down. Bob Uecker absolutely steals that movie. <laughs> he really does. He is, you know, I mean, uh, he is a he is a national treasure. Vince Scully isn't retired. Bob Uecker is the next best thing. Very cool. Yeah. So, uh, well, I guess that's going to do it for us here tonight. We'll be back in two weeks. We're going to have a new schedule now. We're going to during baseball season. We're going to try to bring you one of these every couple of weeks, providing uh, you know, uh, I don't, uh, I don't have problems with the uh, the covid vaccine tomorrow and expire uh we'll be, <laughs> we'll be back. i think you know and maybe maybe people are hoping for that i don't know but uh we'll be back in two weeks with another edition of the boys of summer i am really looking forward to it. although next time paul yes next time you're going to tell me what we're going to talk about I, I don't mind hosting but i can't i, I can't carry everything <laughs> i'm glad i get to skate on all this stuff yeah Oh, no, no. But listen, it's a long season, buddy. <laughs> so, should, for, should, shut up. That's Eric Braun. There's Paul Arnold. I'm Gene Gumps. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time for the Boys of Summer. <laughs>